What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN GameScoop. I'm your host, Damon Hatfield. Joining me this week is Sam Claiborne. Hey, everybody. Justin Davis. Scoop. And Michael Swaim has returned. Welcome back to the show, Michael. Swaim Scoop. Uh, Tina's very, very busy this week, so she regrets she has to sit this one out. But we're very happy to have uh, Michael Swaim back. Uh, to be here. You were very popular last time, Michael. You've got quite, quite yeah. the fan base. Good reception. Yeah. Yeah, I was buzzing. Send, I got a meanie. Send us a... I want Swaim... <laughs> send Swaim fan art. Yeah, let's get some Swaim fan art in here. Uh, frankly, I asked for you not to be back on because you made us look bad. <laughs> yeah, but as, as time cops, can't you go back in time and make me not have done that? We are mm-hmm. Omega cops. Omega not time, I'm sorry. Not time cops. Well, I would assume if you're Omega, that encompasses the time cops. <laughs> See, I saved it. Uh, I uh, got kicked out of time cop when I was a kid. I Man. went to a movie with a friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were like 13 or whatever. Went in and we're sitting down. His mom had bought us tickets and then went to like, you know, shop in the mall or whatever. Yeah. Dropped yeah. us off there. And uh, the usher came down who was probably a year <laughs> older than us. He was like, sirs, how can, how can I see some ID? And we're like, we're already watching the damn movie. And then uh, he evicted us. And then his wow. mom went to the ticket counter. She's like, I bought tickets for them to go see. I think I can make that decision. They're like, sorry, this is a rated R movie. <laughs> I have a similar I have a similar story where I was eight or nine and um Jurassic Park was in movie theaters and a bunch of my friends went to the movie theater and uh, I guess there must have been a grown up with us or maybe they went to go see a grown up movie instead and um we had <laughs> tickets we had tickets to see Cool Runnings and all my friends snuck in they're like we're going to go see Jurassic Park and I'm like no I I want to see Cool Runnings the movie seems <laughs> really funny so much. I think so, both have stood the test of time <laughs> They really probably. have, yeah, um, probably. So I sat there by by myself as like a nine year old and watched School <laughs> Runnings when all my friends saw Jurassic Park. Okay, I'm sorry. I gotta go. I gotta go. The uh, the first R rated movie I snuck into with my little brother, three years my junior, with me was The Piano, and we just did oh it because it was R rated. It turns out it's that movie's R rated because Harvey Keitel appears fully nude in it. That's yeah. it. Yeah. So we just saw a tense drama and Harvey Keitel nude, and we're like, I don't see what the big deal is <laughs> with these R rated movies. It was no Jurassic Park. You're like, this is what grown-up movies are? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ass. Uh, well, anyway, we have a great uh, game scoop for you uh, this week. We're going to be talking about the Nintendo Giga Leaks a little bit. Giga Leak is not a new Pokemon. Uh, one of our <laughs> listeners has uh, some nitpicks about Ghosts of Tsushima they'd like to share with us. But first, let's talk about the Xbox showcase uh, from last week. Last week, we had to record before the Xbox showcase. Uh robbing the world of our opinions of the show so we're even though we're a little bit late we can uh we can solve that problem now but last, but last. Is how, uh, harvey Keitel appeared and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, well there's been a little bit of a controversy about the halo infinite gameplay reveal uh some people thought it looked like a fun new halo game and they're excited uh but yet others were a little bit disappointed in the visuals they were uh a little surprised that it didn't wow them. It didn't look particularly next gen. And in all honesty, I'd put myself in that ladder camp. Uh, we have a, a, an email from one of our listeners, the bus driver 05, who says, Ooh. as a longtime gamer, I was a little shocked and curious why there was so much backlash to the Halo Infinite reveal. To me, it is clear that we have reached a generational point where we need to shift our way of thinking away from how we expect games to look and instead focus on the quality of life upgrades these new consoles will bring instead of graphics. Does no one remember that when the current gen launched, it was two years before games started to feel next gen? 
Uh, Watch Dogs, Assassin's Creed, Black Flag, and others didn't seem much better than the prior generation counterparts. Personally, it wasn't until I played The Witcher 3 a year and a half after launch that I felt I was playing something that actually was next gen. So why all the backlash to Microsoft, especially considering PlayStation hasn't shown anything that has looked next gen either? Honestly, I was just whelmed by both games showcases, but I'm still excited to buy both consoles due to the quality of life improvements these systems will bring. Thanks for being the closest thing to a gaming magazine subscription I can look forward to. I like that last we, comment. Oh, that's we, really cute. Yeah. <laughs> we uh, there's there's definitely some truth to that. Like, there's always the generation launches. And there's games that look good or maybe even great, but then he's totally right. Like, it takes a little while for like the game that you're like, oh, I get it. Like, this is what we can do now that we couldn't do before. Like, the example that's always in my head is like around Bioshock or like uh, Gears of War on the Xbox 360. And before that, we mm-hmm. were just sort of playing like, like, I don't know, like Perfect Duck Zero is an Xbox 360 game. And that game doesn't look very good. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, and yet that line's getting fuzzier, right? Like uh, Last of Us Part Two dropping on this generation. I found it hard to believe that, that yep. this was possible coming out of this same yeah. launch day PS4 box that I've been playing all the previous yeah. games on. So I think it does depend on the developer. I was definitely with Damon being a little bit, I'm not graphics forward myself, but it seems to me that Halo is a graphics forward franchise and I was firmly underwhelmed. Well, I will say like, I, I like if anyone says that that game doesn't look very impressive to them, like, you know, I respect that opinion. It doesn't look as impressive or as eye popping as a game like horizon, as it was presented to us. Um, but like what some people may not be considering is that that game's running at 4k 60 FPS. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an open world game, a fully open world game running at 4k 60. Um, and that's pretty hard to get across. That's very impressive from a technical standpoint. And that's not very easy to get across in like a live streaming environment. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I guess for me, like, like Swain was just saying, there's just been multiple games, uh, on PS4 that I've been playing recently, like Last of Us Part 2 and Ghost of Tsushima, and even going back a couple of years to Red Dead Redemption 2, where God of War, I played these games and I was amazed, I was stunned at how, uh, amazing they looked. So, you know, Microsoft has the most powerful console ever yeah. and has this, one of the biggest launch titles ever, their flagship series. So let's take a look. And I was like, huh? That's... Yeah, but yeah, but none of those games are 4K 60 FPS. That's true. I mean, that's true. I guess it's just like, you know, what's yeah. important it's, to you. It's a I fair know, right? caveat, but yeah. I think it still means it's worth like interrogating why they chose to show it in that context now. Because mm-hmm. yeah. um, obviously they very intentionally were like, this is our foot forward. Uh, yeah. I'm surprised well, they didn't foresee a little backlash. Yeah, go ahead. The, the they did foresee backlash, I think, and I think what they also uh, foresaw was that everybody's not showing gameplay. Nobody's showing gameplay for anything. All we get is cinematic bullshit, and <laughs> I, I'm tired of it. Like all we're getting is really cool cinematic trailers for like all of your favorite games. Think back what you've seen: a little bit of Assassin's Creed battle stuff. Like that's what you've seen from next gen so far. It's just it's just not there's just not much that's been shown. There's the Ratchet and Clank footage, but that's not launch, right? That's like some nebulous like future date. So mm-hmm. I think showing gameplay from a launch game is really cool, and it's all I want to see. So like I did I determine whether I want to play that game? I absolutely want to play that game. It's got a grappling hook, it's got Halo <laughs> stuff, it looks really, really fun. And so I, I think like they probably didn't anticipate like it only being a discussion of the graphics because there is a lot of other cool stuff going on there. Um, I wanted to read uh, Tina had written a little uh, statement about this. So can we check in with, can we check in with the panelists? Yeah, I will say- see. I'll seed some time back to Tina. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> 
she said that um, I felt that everything from the music and UI and sound effects, etc., were intentionally designed to hit on nostalgic Halo experiences. But I understand some of the negative feedback on it not feeling like next gen. Um, it, uh, the game was packaging the feeling like it's supposed to because it's their next gen game, uh, both because of the showcases highlight of it and because of Xbox's history with it. So, like, I think that's a really good point, right? It's like, did it look like Halo? It looked more like Halo than the than the games that were Halo on the last console. It looks mm, yeah. a lot more like Halo Three and Two, which is so exciting to me. Um, I think that's great, just from just because it's nostalgic. Well, you also, I mean, Sam, you said it before we started recording. We're like, we have not seen launch PS5 game gameplay. Like Sony's pulled a little bit of a magic trick on people. We're like, we have like, I'm excited for Miles Morales. I'm going to play that. But we we haven't seen that video game yet. Like, so, so, you know, Microsoft sort of like, um, they went first when it comes to this mm-hmm. stuff. Like, you know, launch PS5 games probably aren't going to look radically different than this. Yeah. Although I, I, I should say uh, I haven't traditionally been much of a Halo fan. So, you know, maybe it, w- it would take more than just like a solid looking gameplay demo to get me excited. But uh, I really like open world first person shooters like uh, Far Cry and Borderlands. So if Halo's sort of skewing more in that direction, this might be the first Halo game in a long time that I enjoy. Yeah. Our previewers uh, who, you know, just uh, got to do a bunch of interviews and stuff like that ahead of the, the, the conference. And we have like a four separate stories up about those, about Halo, which you should check out because it's a bunch more information than you can just see in that, that demo. But they had mentioned that uh, there's a lot more backtracking and that's what the map means in that game. And that there's kind of like these like, big open areas. Uh, you know, I talked to Miranda who, who had been one of the people writing about this and I like said, like, is this more Metroid like, and she said she wouldn't go that far, but, uh, but but uh, you know that's the the concept of it is that you have a a very very large arena and Halo has had that for and that's what's really good for for our vehicles and I really always mm-hmm. like that about like okay I, I I'm tired of playing this level by running around you can just hop in a ghost and like and like try to get it through the whole level I think that's really fun like cram it through doorways and stuff mm-hmm. like that so I think it'll be great like just at some point you'll probably be able to like shortcut by like hopping in something that flies and getting back to where you were before like that'd be super cool. Mm-hmm. I'm also very interested to see actually how they tackle the storytelling because I just did a video for us that entailed going through the story of every Halo game. And it is a very, uh, it's very movie-like. It's very linear and Master Chief's adventures are what they are. It's no mm-hmm. Mass Effect. There's not yeah. a split at the end. Uh, and playing Ghost of Tsushima, I was just talking to a friend about how there's a unique structure to the way open world games dispense story because it has to be choose your own adventure in any way that you want to meander through it. I'm just really interested to see how a story about Cortana and Master Chief plays out in an open world because I do think mm-hmm. there will, they'll adapt to that. It will be slightly different. Mm-hmm. Um Okay, another uh, uh, game that was shown off in the Microsoft presentation was Grounded, uh, something new from Obsidian. Uh, Honey, the people describe it like, honey, I shrunk the kids. A uh, bunch of kids are shrunk down to very small size and they're in a backyard and they need to make their way home. And there's a lot of, uh, as I understand it, base building with found items that you scrounge up. And then, of course, enemies are all sort of like bugs that you'd find in your back, backyard. It's a survival and, uh, game, yeah. Yeah, it's probably Very excited for this game. I, I think it's out very soon. Yeah. Or it's, it's, it's out now. It's out, it's out now. Got it. It's, they have a hit. It had uh, uh, 250,000 people watching it on, uh. on Twitch, I think. Oh, okay. And, and top of steam. Um, 
but it has we've been talking a little bit about uh accessibility features in modern games recently and this one has a really really interesting one uh yeah. the spiders are a big threat in this game so they included an arachnophobia mode where you can turn the spiders into cute little blob things and it's not even an on off switch it's actually a slider so you can determine for yourself how spider like or not you, you can want turn those enemies scary. to be Wow. Yeah. I wish I they had that. Levels, it drops some legs. It drops some hair. Yeah. It ends up as this like little like piece of popcorn with eyes. Yeah. I needed that Great. in my uh, Sim Ant days. The spiders oh were just the I mean, scourge of the game. Yeah. yeah. Or in uh, the the original Resident Evil 2 when you were down mm-hmm. in the sewers. Man. That's right. Honestly, I, I'm a baby and I can't like Alien Isolation's a game that I understand is very good and I just can't make my way through it. I would love a slider on that game to just be able to play it where the <laughs> alien becomes addressing or like a phobia. So if it, yeah. it's just really specific. It's like it's not making the game less scary, like taking out jump scares and stuff like that. It's like saying like this creature you might be afraid of, we're gonna make look like a different creature. Well, the it's heart just, wants what it wants, Sam. <laughs> yeah. I like the yeah, idea. I think it's really specific and funny and good. I think it's cool too. I mean, I like this reminds me, this is a weird leap, but I'm going to bring it around. I promise. Like the, the Suikoden role-playing games, uh, just as a fun bonus feature, let you customize your sound effects. So like, instead of a sword slash, you can make it like a cat meow. And like, <laughs> it's silly, like it's random, but and their yeah. attitude is sort of like, well, you know, why not? It's just a silly thing to put in the game. And it's like, it, it has a similar vibe to me of like, you know, sure. Like, why not? Right. Like it's going to change. It changes nothing from a gameplay standpoint. Like, yeah. What does it matter if they're really spider like or not? I loved when I realized there was a vegetarian option in dead cells. So your yeah, health yep. pickups. Become <laughs> exactly. All vegetarian. Yeah. Hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought that was a super interesting sort of a uh, new way to approach and think about accessibility. I was thinking games. about like, so there's like people with shark phobias and I think it'd be really cool to see what man eater was like with just like a, a, I don't know, like a really nice shark replacement. Maybe. A, but a like, but you, but you are the shark. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's true. How I mean, I, you think spiders are part of this yeah. game. Uh, I would like to see this applied to all games with clowns. And I think I have the public support on that. What's a good non-scary replacement for a clown that gets the point across. Uh, well, it could still be popcorn. That's still kind of circus themed. Yeah. Or cotton candy. Yeah. What about a shark? I'd be I less scared of a shark. Yeah. What about yeah. they replaced it with spiders and clown outfits? Yeah. There are. Yeah. There aren't a lot of clowns in games. Dropsy is the one that comes to mind, and you would want to replace him. But yeah. There's I, I a think there's a horrible clown enemies in games like uh, Bubsy and Sonic. Hmm. So um, we're going to replace them all with sharks filled with spiders? Is that what? It, that's well, where we landed? Like it's an anthropomorphic clown, but the top is just like a spider stuffed into the neck hole and just kind of like coming neck out. Hole. The neck hole. Yeah, I think kind of like squirming. You know, we were trying to make it scary. less scary, Sam. You just invented like, the scariest thing I've ever heard of. Yeah. yeah. And then they chant, go hello, go hello, go hello. <laughs> cool. Okay, moving on. Let's talk about these uh, Nintendo leaks, the Giga leaks. Uh, I'm sure you've you've seen these by now. Uh, all sorts of information uh, stolen from Nintendo somehow. Hackers got a hold of it, and they've sort of been distributing it online. Confirms all sorts of things like 
Luigi was actually in Mario 64 at one point. We've seen pre-rendered backgrounds that were intended for use in Ocarina of Time. We've Yoshi seen Sprite. Super derpy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a more realistic version of Yoshi where he's less cute. Yeah. Yeah. We've seen sprite sheets for a side-scrolling follow-up to Zelda 2. Um, it's it's crazy how much information uh, has been out there. Uh, we've got an email about this from Neil from London, Canada. And he says, with all the Nintendo GigaLeak, GigaLeak news, people clearly want to talk about what was released. Do you think there's a line between the importance of reporting factual events and digging through information gained by illegal hacking for the sake of clicks? Yeah. Go ahead, no, no, go ahead, Justin. I just like I completely agree with the premise of the question. Like it actually really yeah. bothers me. Like I'm a huge game fan. I'm really fascinated. I love seeing the Yoshi sprite. I love seeing all this stuff, but I'm uncomfortable with like it was stolen. <laughs> like yeah. it's a stolen thing. Like it's like rifling through someone's private work and especially when it's creative work that deliberately was never intended to see the light of day. Like yeah. I don't know. It makes me feel a little bit skeevy. Um but um but you know the game fan in me is still really interested in seeing like Luigi's Sprite and Mario 64 and and everything else that's been coming out or polygons I should say but yeah yeah I, I agree with that it's like people are interested in the stuff because they love Nintendo and they love these games and these characters and they want to learn more about all this stuff that they grew up loving but at the same time it's insanely disrespectful to Nintendo and the people that created these games yeah, it's too bad that Nintendo has been traditionally yep. so inaccessible. They've had some cool windows into uh, history. Sometimes, uh, like there is the uh, Mario All-Stars on Wii booklet had some pretty cool stuff in it. There's the Zelda <laughs> Dark Horse books have some pretty neat things in it. And then yep. there's the Wada Asks column, right? Th that was like a really cool behind the scenes thing. But there's just these little tidbits. And to see that not only was this stuff like, you know, stolen, but it, it was out there is like fascinating to me. Like the fact that it's not destroyed and that it's like archived in some way, but also, you know, they've never figured out a way they want to share that stuff publicly is really interesting. You know, people don't bat an eye at stealing ROMs and they don't bat an eye at all these other things that like, you know, I might wag my finger at more than other people. Uh, but for some reason, the reaction to this has really been about the theft and about uh, the discussion around, you know, covering it, not covering it from journalistic standards but, but but more like like how to archivists cover it and like mm -hmm. where, where does it belong in museum i think that's all really interesting stuff but like boy is there like some nuances there that are hard to understand um especially from people that like will do anything in the world to rip a rom and put it on the internet of every single iteration of rare games right like that's like mm -hmm. a militant movement to preserve games and this mm -hmm. was done in a in a that's stealing first of all uh the, and this is too um, it, it, and, and again, it's, it's nuanced, but it's not, yeah. it's all theft. And so I, I don't know why this has been a hubbub, but I suspect it's because organizations that are doing all of this preservation are probably trying to work with Nintendo on doing it legitimately. Yeah. And it speaks to the tremendous demand. I mean, it's a pretty slow trickle as much as Nintendo does some Thanks to archive its greatest work, obviously, people are still, there's a bottomless appetite for, I mean, where, where's the Mario 64 remaster already? I need it. Um, and behind the scenes stuff. 10 years ago. That's true. Behind the scenes <laughs> stuff has the, uh, 
the same effect, I just think it's so interesting to see how Nintendo once again is the exception that proves the rule with other game companies trying to navigate how soon do we let the consumer into the creative process. And in the case of the Halo team, it might have been too early or it might have not been. But regardless, I think that's interesting how this is the flip side of that coin of mm -hmm. uh, we're only going to ever show you finished things. And in the end, the game is private property. So that's our right, which is absolutely true. But I do think it's in that nuance is is very much there because I, this stuff does belong in a museum it's yeah. you just want to see them uh do what ubisoft does sometimes and sort of roll with it and go all right it's out there yeah. so we're going to create a virtual museum but no they clamp Are down they're, uh, they're, they're, the, they're they're the company with the most history that has the most rabid hardcore fans it's also among the most secretive like they don't you know a lot of ask is wonderful and you're right they have those art books sam but like you you, you completely nailed it we're like they're, it's their right to not be that forthcoming, but they are remarkably and particularly non-forthcoming with their creative process. And that all combines into like this stew that makes this, you know, just a particularly irresistible interest to people. Mm -hmm. Have you guys seen the making of Star Wars books? Yeah, I have the I have the Empire yeah. one, which is the Empire insane. one's incredible. Yeah, and then all three of them are really cool, and it just shows you what like good archiving can give to the world. Like it's incredible seeing a day by day, uh, yeah. you know, accounting of how those movies are made, it, it, and with all the photography and the the, the sometimes embarrassingly bad, you know, pre uh, uh, production renders of Yoda and stuff like that. I mean, it's it's great. It's so cool and. Uh, and I think video games in general are a, a industry that are, is definitely secretive and, and not prone to archiving and stuff like that. I don't really know why that is. It has to do with spoiler culture now. There's all this stuff wrapped up in that. You know, I did an interview with uh, Joel Hodgson from MST3K uh, last week. And in it, he said that Netflix was uh, the, the only disappointment about working with Netflix is that they were just completely secretive. And MST3K's comeback was all about, uh, hey, fans, here's what we're doing this week. Hey fans, what do you think of this? And like really interacting with fans and then Netflix was like, you can't do any of that. Like none of it. And it was all because of, I guess like embargoes and spoilers and like all this stuff, but it just, it just didn't work for them. And I, I just think there's like a, definitely a, a veil of secrecy around contemporary stuff now, which is different. Than yeah. Before. In the, yeah. uh, in the case of Nintendo in particular, you know, maybe every company's like this, but I know they in particular will try an idea and experiment with something and then they'll bring it back 20 years later. Like the example that's springing to mind is um, with, yeah. the, with the N64 DD, they played around with the tool where you could make faces and make little avatars, an avatar creator, and it didn't work. And they sat on it, or maybe it did release in some weird DD product. And then that became Mies on the Nintendo Wii. Like, they sit on stuff, and, like, it never really goes away. And that's been in the back of my head as, like, maybe one reason why they're really reticent to, like... <clears throat> like, one of the leaks I saw was a game um, uh, where a character was walking on their own. They were sleepwalking. And then you have to move blocks around and, and, destroy, and get rid of enemies. And it was a Super Nintendo game that I think used the mouse... We're like popping mm -hmm. balloons and stuff, yeah. so this character could walk. Like yeah, and then that became that's Yoshi Touch and Go on the DS. That exact game came out on the DS with Yoshi as the star, and so I, I think that that company, like, who knows what weird and crazy stuff are in their archives that you know maybe we'll never see the light of day, or maybe will get recycled for you know in a different context in the future. Yeah, and the it's incredible. Put Yoshi in 
Super Mario Brothers, like the first game. Yeah. Like, that was like the goal. And it was like a generation. I bet they built the Super Nintendo to make Yoshi. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Sorry, Michael. Oh, I was just going to say it's kind of inspiring and it's almost got a, like a Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory effect because I have to imagine the majority of devs, once they've committed years of time and budget to a game, they're like, even if this isn't per se panning out exactly as cool as we thought it would be, this has to go to market. The the you know the trains left the station and i think at the end of the day that's how we end up with a lot of mediocre games it's cool to see companies like uh, blizzard i got to interview some blizzard folks and they had the same sort of policy and nintendo where their work on tons of experiments and mechanics that they are absolutely willing to abandon or put in the drawer for like justin said 20 years later yeah. uh, i do think that ends up giving us some of the best games that we wouldn't get otherwise yeah it's a strange situation uh i also, also go ahead is this the last point i want to make on this is there is some nuance between like look confirmed luigi was going to be in mario 64 and it's like well yeah. no what's con- what's confirmed is that he was cut from mario 64 it's like yeah. what we're seeing it's like seeing drafts of a novel you know it's like yeah. well that yeah. that stuff that stuff isn't in the final work so like or it confirms that somebody in an afternoon was like look what i did guys <laughs> yeah like yeah he just, so nothing like we, you know, you're seeing, you're seeing early drafts, you know, there's a, yeah. there's with Ocarina of Time, there's the Kokiri forest and early draft of that where it's huge and everything's really, mm. really, really spread out and it's empty. And like, it looks weird. Like the finished version is compact and everything like is a lot more charming. And like, you're seeing an early draft of something. So I think IGN, I'm proud of our coverage of this and our discussion now. I think we've, you know, I'm pleased with the nuance we were able to bring to it, but like, some people have not been as, um, you know, it's like confirmed this was in this game. It's like, well, it's just part of the creative process. Things come and go all the time. Confirmed. Yeah. There was a meeting where someone said, <laughs> yeah. "Should Luigi be in it? And someone said, nah. Yeah. It's not that big of a deal in the grand scheme of Mario. Yeah. We, we did a cool roundup of this that Joe Scrubbles wrote on the site, which you can check out. But um, I think it's also significant that like so much of the stuff that's being shared is visual. And it's just like, you get to like see these cool pieces of art or it's art, you know, that, that, that somebody designed and, and carefully assembled in pixel form uh, often. And that's like, so, so incredibly rare. I mean, you get stuff out of interviews and people talk about the good old days, but like, man, to like see some of the stuff is like just such a treat. It's I so agree. irresistible. Well, and I, we, agree. Uh, I just want to say like, I agree. Like I find this stuff fascinating too. And I guess I am glad to have seen it and know about it now. But if I had been given like the choice, like if I were walking down the street and a guy in a trench coat in an alley was like, hey, kid, want to see some secret Nintendo stuff I sold? I'd be like, no, thank you. <laughs> There's a the the, the stole, you know, stolen goods part of it is the source code, which is that's very actively bad. Right. Like, I, I don't know. Maybe this is a completely made up distinction. But in my mind seeing Luigi's model in Mario 64 is like in the public interest. Like we're all fans and want to see that, but like the actual code, the line by line code of how those games were built, like Nintendo games feel special and have a better feel in their platforming and everything else than almost anyone else on earth. So it feels really dangerous and awful that like that actual building blocks of code is now out there in the world. That's that. Again, this is a distinction in my own mind that I've made up, but like, that feels worse to me than like, you know, art assets or like early versions of a level that's just sort of fascinating to see. 
Yeah. You know right. that uh, you know, like for like, a brief period and this could still be true for the vast majority of it. Everybody's like, is this real or not? Like, it's just hard to tell, right? If, if something's real or fake and, and we're dealing with, you know, hackers that yeah. uh, could be pulling one over on us. I don't know. And so uh, it wasn't until like, uh, like Dylan Cuthbert, the creator of uh, Star Fox had like started retweeting some of the things that were discovered. He's like, man, I haven't seen this in 30 years. And people were like, Oh boy. <laughs> uh, okay. Let's do uh, run some through some tiny scoops before we okay. get to our uh, emails. Sam, do you know what the arcade arcade archives is released uh, this week on uh, switch and PS4? No, hit me burger time. Nice. That's really cool. The, the actual data East upright machine. Yep. Well, yeah. The, the digital one, version of that. There's one 10 feet behind me in the next room over. Yeah. And one in the IGN offices. We have a Burger Time conference room that I miss dearly well, now. Yeah. Great uh, game. Uh, really fun. It's really, really hard to figure out the uh, fourth level in that game uh, that you have to run to the right and run up right away. That's my pro <laughs> Yeah. Mediocre <laughs> conference room, to be honest. That's yeah, not one of our best. best. <laughs> not one of our best <laughs> conference rooms. Great, great game. Never want to have meetings in that room. <laughs> Um, and then Sam, have you finished Curse of the Moon 2? No, because I'm on a boss right now, which is like the the. It's really I'm, I know I'm really far because I can see on the map I like got to the the end kind of unless there's like some surprise. Uh, but uh, it's it's so far to get to the boss that I was like I'm really frustrated because it's like you can do the boss fight and learn the boss patterns and the boss yeah. is ridiculously hard, but yeah. like getting there is taking so long now that I'm just like oh my gosh I got to spend ten minutes to like replay this boss and I don't really like that. Yeah, I got really far. Did you know there's a new mode out now? No, I'll check it out. It's called Legend Mode, and it's it's meant to make the game even harder. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it makes it so enemies respawn off screen if you backtrack a little bit, mm. just like it's so common in old NES games. It is nice being able to like eliminate everything in a room and then and kind of be chill, but that would suck. And also in Legend Mode, uh, one character dying counts as all characters dying. Oh, that'd be really hard because some of those characters have like no life. Yeah. Um, I still need to get back to that when I finish Panzer Paladin. And then Justin, uh, Kingdom Rush, the original Kingdom Rush is out on Switch today. Oh, cool. It's, well, yeah. yeah. It's I like mean, a really great, solid tower defense game that's just like several years old now. But I was going to say, that's a lot. That's like what? It's got, I don't know, seven years old, maybe? I think, yeah, I think one or more of the sequels are already on the Switch, and now the original mm-hmm. is on Switch. Great. Play it if you haven't. Yeah. Cool. Is game. just tower defense like medieval or something? It's just a really fun polished yeah. tower defense game. Play yeah. some kind of stuff. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Place archers, uh, play sorcerers, place warriors. Yeah. It's great. It's like one of the best tower defense series I've I've ever played. Mm-hmm. No tiny scoop for Swaim. All of Swaim's favorite games are dead and gone. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm still learning what makes a Swaimy game. That's true. I know it's Death Stranding. It takes time. <laughs> yeah. That might throw you off, actually, if that's your North Star, yeah. You need more, we need more Strand games? Strandies? That's it. I'm exclusively a Strand genre player. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but you are, you're playing Ghost of Tsushima, Swain? I Yeah, I just finished it last night. Not like oh, Platinum wow. trophied it, but I've been to every location and done every mission. I can't find all the Mongolian artifacts, and I won't. I refuse to. <laughs> all right, but well, other then- than that, yeah, I loved it. Perfect. You're going to be able to weigh in on our next topic. Let's check in with the listeners. Hey, listeners. Listeners, Hi. remember, you can always reach us at the email address, gamescoop at IGN.com, just like Caleb from Kansas City did. 
He said, I've been playing Ghost of Tsushima. I've really enjoyed it so far, but there's been something about the game that has bothered me. The lack of dismemberment. It's hard to fathom Jin's superiorly crafted katana cannot cut off limbs, but can gush out so much blood. So I wanted to pose a question to the group. Why do you guys think there is no dismemberment? Is there a game design reason or would it turn off younger players or parents? I think adding this element in the game would make it feel much more visceral. Curious to hear what you all have to say. Well, first of all, slider for dismemberment. Yeah, yeah, they should. Yeah, if you yeah, but it all it did was turn their limbs into popcorn. It was really weird. Um, first of all, there is dismemberment. Uh, there's the uh, triangle circle move. It's not heavenly strike, but the other one, I forget what it's called, but where he does the classic samurai movie move of like jutting across very quickly with a single swipe. And if you notice, if you take someone's health bar to zero doing that, their hand will be cut off. Mm-hmm. I think that's it. Oh, and when you slaughter decapitations. There's decapitations when you slaughter a leader from stealth. Uh, So I assume they mean like Star Wars style, which Jedi Fallen Order didn't have also, by the way, or did it? (laughs) It did only for robots. Only for robots, that's right. Like cutting off every limb. You can cut a protocol droid in two. Are there games that that have full-on dismemberment prominently featured? I'm trying to Probably, but I I don't think it's very common. Uh, Big Buck Hunter. I mean... (laughs) The game, in, in I, I think Ghost is great, but even besides the dismemberment, it has these really weird canned death animations, and people noticed it when that game was first revealed. They're like, this is gorgeous, but that aspect of it is just odd. Like, it just feels kind of unfinished and unpolished. That's true. And the aspect of killing a guy right in front of his buddies and them yeah. just quickly <laughs> shuffling the other way felt like a throwback yeah. to when stealth was simpler. Yeah, I think fighting enemies with armor for the most part, so it would be hard to dismember them. And you're not using a lightsaber. You got to remember that. But yeah, it's not. I was going to say, I don't know how common dismemberment was in feudal Japan. Uh, Mm. You know, it's still no matter how sharp your katana is, you still got to cut through bone to hack a limb off. You know, like get about the job. A lot of the deaths are from like a a chest stab or a uh, like a slash all the way across the body. Or the next stab, yeah. Seem, seemingly very deadly, painful ways to go. It's crazy how the enemies are crawling around, not dead after you take it, you slash them a bunch too. Yeah, you do have to take them out. Um, I, I <laughs> think it's a completely legitimate question to ask, and like you know, it's 2020, and maybe it's reducing the game's realism. But just the the sociopathy of like, why can't I chop their limbs off? It's like, <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> this is really what we need to be worrying about. I don't find that it would have enhanced my experience much, but I do think it speaks to something that's legitimate. Like uh, GoldenEye, I've always maintained, really broke through because it was one of the first games where where you shot them in the body affected the death animation. That blew my mind at the time. So yeah. I get where it comes from, but I will say now in my mid-30s, just pumping the violent slider all the way to the top doesn't do it for me like it used to when I was lusting over Mortal Kombat and my parents uh, wouldn't let me have it. No, like, and I'm not giving anybody a hard time to be clear. That's just the way that we talk about video games sometimes. It's like, if you're not aware of like how video <laughs> games work, it just sounds horrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't know if, I don't know if there's any sort of like design challenge to that pose is like you have a character model and if you cut off a limb, like there's now a part of that character model. So I don't know if that's hard, for, you know, for the, the the program to process. I have no idea. Are, did your par- How did your parents find out about Mortal Kombat? 
Uh, I believe from a, a full page full page ad in a GamePro magazine I left lying open. Yeah. I thought I was planting the seed for a Christmas present. I was just <laughs> letting them know what to forbid me to do. The other big one was Night Trap. My mom yeah, literally yeah. ran in and ripped it out of the Sega CD and was like, I saw on the news that you can't play this game. <laughs> wow. wow. I can't believe you wanted to play Night Trap. Full motion video, baby. It's the wave yeah. of the future. Still, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I have plenty of FMV games on my Sega CD, but I, I somehow just missed Night Trap. How crazy was it to see the control sequences that were FMV and realize it took me a second to believe? Oh, these are actors! Wow. Some other game has done that recently too. I think that's cool now um, mm-hmm. to to mix that stuff in because it's usually around like cool game effects and stuff like that. But yeah, that was the projector in that, right? Mm-hmm. Especially. So I'm uh, currently in Act Two of Ghosts of Tsushima. Uh, Sam, where are you? I'm deep Act Three. Deep Act Three. Okay. And Justin, I stopped playing it. Okay. You just, you just went back to Lord of the Rings Online. Well, that's what I was gonna say. It's nothing against Ghosts, but I don't have. I only play. I exclusively play Lord of the Rings Online now. <laughs> I mean, look, cool. like they need help. Yeah, I know. <laughs> was there any particular <laughs> reason or facet or moment where you fell off? Or was it just natural entropy? I, it, again, it has less to do with ghosts <laughs> and more to do with Middle Earth. Um, just Me like too. <laughs> the, the brigands were encroaching on the town of Bree and right. goblins had set up a camp in the Midgewater Marsh. Unbelievable. And if that weren't were, were bad enough, uh, orcs bearing a white hand had come down from the north out of the North Downs. And so oh, Bree, you know Bree was really in a lot of, a lot of trouble. Yeah. Um, Sour Man is due southeast of there. No, but those orcs are everywhere, man. Like I, it, I agree with you, Sam, and I understand what you're saying. But it's you know, it is what it is. Um, and now I'm making my way up to. I'm going to. There was some strange light seen on the top of Weathertop, so I'm on oh, my man. way there now to investigate what was going on. Do you think that was the? Is this? When is this? You follow the Fellowship. Okay, so that's what was happening. It was that the Fellowship mm-hmm. was fighting off the uh, yeah. the records. Yep, wow. exactly. Okay. Um, well, that all sounds exciting. Uh, so then, Swaim, since you've uh, finished the story in uh, Ghost of Tsushima, what's what's your overall assessment? Oh, that it, I, I felt like it was, to mix metaphors, like someone uh, hitting a home run with meat and potatoes. It felt wow. very much like, which I think is the general journalist, like reviewer consensus. Uh, it felt like <laughs> it picked up the torch that Assassin's Creed gradually set down. Uh, it reminded me of playing classic AC games in a way that I found very joyous because Odyssey was a bit too much for me. Uh, and I enjoyed it all the way through. It is the best photo mode I've ever seen. And photo mode, by the way, is totally a new obsession for me. This game and Death Stranding, I think I spent about half my time uh, setting up perfect shots. And I don't know why. I don't know what I gain. I just enjoy <laughs> doing it. That's my Animal Crossing is yeah. video game photography. Are you all in on Pokemon Snap? Oh, I can't wait. Yes, very much so. Pokemon Snap's going to be great. Once someone explained to me that Pokemon Snap was basically a first-person shooter game, like a non-violent first-person shooter game, I was like, oh. it's yeah, like it's, it's just like, a real shooter. Yeah, it's like Time Crisis, but instead of killing yeah. things, you're just, just photographing them. Just snapping photos. Sometimes you hit them with apples. Although, the, <laughs> yeah, they're putting in a slider where you can dismember Pikachu, but... yeah. Yeah, sure. You can barely tell <laughs> the little limbs that you can barely tell. A a dismemberment slider would be 
particularly gruesome because if you just move it a little bit, the head doesn't completely come off. You oh, need to give boy. it a few more. <laughs> Okay, uh, this is Eric from Boston. He says, can someone explain what goes into a delay, especially a game with a physical release? How early are marketing campaigns planned? How early do discs or cartridge factories get contracted? I get that the developers and programmers keep working and finishing the game, but what do the publishers waste or spend when a game gets delayed? If it is a lot, why do companies announce release dates before games go gold? I love this question because I don't know the answer. <laughs> so I'm I'm going to listen to my colleagues now. Oh, boy. Well, I mean, so to answer the last question, why do they announce release dates before games go gold? Uh, several reasons. They they use pre-order uh, numbers to sort of track, uh, you know, how many uh, copies they should make and how many they plan to sell. And they're, if you're a publicly traded company, their investors kind of need to know when to expect that next big influx of cash to be coming. Yeah, in fact, I, don't a lot of leaks come from investor conferences? I've noticed as a trend since well, I joined those the are, IGN family. But those are public, uh, so they're not really they wouldn't really be leaks. It's not technically right. leaks, but yeah. that we end up spinning up news stories often That's from true. details that were shared with investors rather That's than being consumer the facing. Industry, right? Yeah, yeah. They, yeah. you know, they're required to give a look ahead at like how they do they expect to have a big year not a big year and so sometimes some executive that doesn't necessarily maybe even know that they're making huge news is like yeah we have a bioshock coming next year <laughs> and <then laughs> every, like our news editor is like hmm what um yeah so that can happen I, you know with a physical game release that's a really really great question i don't know that i have a particularly great answer either i mean he's right that like a third party like a factory has to be contracted to like press the discs and like yeah. you know ship them to distributors um i i you know so yeah that seems you know maybe one of two things is happening either they have some sort of clause in their contract that lets them you know rearrange or push back the time that that disc is being pressed or they owe them you know some kind of make good and if you're going to switch your time frame each disc is now going to cost 40 cents more to press than it would have mm-hmm. before like and they just have to eat that cost and I, that's just me speculating, but like, you know, what other, that's, that's like, those seem like the only two plausible options. Think yeah. about how much media is made in the world. I, I think it's really easy to spin up production on the thing you need printed and it's all formatted and, and ready to go. And you can just be like, let's order 30,000 more of those. And you probably have that, you know, that that's a turnaround. That's like, that's not months. And it's probably not even weeks. It's probably days. So like, it's not too bad to change your plans when you can just have a factory, just make your stuff. I, I just think like, like, again, like video games are probably a very small amount of the discs that are manufactured on earth every day. Like it's just such a huge volume that those, those resources exist. Yeah. Yeah. That's, there's also like, there's the desired ideal outcome where like the game goes gold where what that means is that's the finished version of the game code, that that's, what's going to be printed on the disc. Right. And then of course, every game comes to the day one update now. So it's a little bit moot, but like, the point is that's that's the handoff. Like, here you go, factory. Here's the gold disc. What you're going to replicate a million times for the printed version. Um, yeah. And like, they want to have that a certain amount of lead time in advance, but they they you can just like whatever your field is in, you know, you can cut corners and accelerate things and advance things if you spend enough money or time or whatever. Like, 
instead of having all those game discs, you know, be shipped over on a boat from China, like you can air airlift them next day or two day air. Like there's any number of ways that they can sort of like eat into whatever their lead time is before they're forced to actually delay. Like, and again, having not worked in this field, I'm just speculating that they probably eat into it, eat into it, eat into it and say, we don't, there's no way for us to meet our date. We need to push it back another, you know, month or two or three or whatever it needs to be. Think how hard it is to set a release date. Yeah. The first time you do it, you're like, it's so far off. Like it probably, <laughs> it sounds like a good date. It's either, you know, it's going to be in the fall. People buy my game. But as that, as you get closer, the longer you, you've announced, you know, far out, further out, you've announced it. You're like, Oh great, that game's coming out the same day. Oh great, that game's coming out the week before. Like it must be terrifying. So when you delay a game out of like a crazy busy season or something, I bet that's like you know like sometimes a pretty good business move to make. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and, and then then there's all these so many other things to think about. It's just like it's funny to think about like how much a date matters. Yeah, not to mention your internal production, like how many different people on different teams are all on like different train tracks that all have to arrive at the station at the exact same time. Like it's a miracle that video games exist and launch like AAA games. And then the marketing team is, you know, all the while the game is being developed, the marketing team is working on their marketing plan and the big beats that they're going to hit. They're going to have the reveal trailer, the cinematic trailer, the voice talent reveal, maybe the box art reveal. And they're working with the leads on the development team to sort of plan when they think they'll be able to hit these. So then when the game is, uh, is delayed, they just sort of have to like reschedule everything they have planned. But I think a silver lining to that is that the announcement of the delay is an extra marketing beat that they get when it, when the, when the game is in, you know, everyone's talking about the game. Mm -hmm. A negative one, but how, how negative is it when, when it's like, you know, this is coming out nine months from now instead of six months from now. Like it's, it's, it's less egregious when it's, you know, you're not getting right up to it and people are excited. Yeah. It also seems to get the response from the crowd uh, that comports with the cred of the game anyway. You know, like when CD Projekt Red says we need some more time, everyone's like, oh, take your time, please. You geniuses go do what you need to do. Did uh, I, tell I you, think I people are less for, uh-huh, go ahead. Well, I just, I think I said this on game scoop, but like, uh, we're doing some research for like, uh, how cyberpunk was announced and in the first trailer. There's a joke, which is uh, coming dot, dot, dot. And then it says when it's ready. And that was mm-hmm. like 10 years ago. It was yeah. like 2011 yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Really cute. And then they made that great grounded joke about cyberpunk uh, in the trailer, uh, last week, which yeah. reminded me of it. There's, I do think if that game's delayed one more time, it's going to start getting some side eye, though. Like you'll start seeing op eds on, like, is everything okay with Cyberpunk? We are yeah. reaching the limit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it, that one can be delayed again. Um, okay, our final email this week comes from a woodland elf. Nice. All right. It says cool. to give you guys some context, I live out in the woods in Maine near Seth Macy and exclusively play my Switch in handheld mode because I live off the grid in a yurt and do not have access to the abundance of power that most people have. No internet or cell phone service for me, but I do have a solar array and battery bank that I can charge up my laptop and game console on. Ooh, cool. This makes, this makes gaming very unique for me, which I actually enjoy, and leads me to a question. Over the years, I've built up a collection of 60 games on my Switch and have realized that I've only completed half of them, if that. This realization has made it hard to continue to purchase more games without having actually explored the games that I've already bought. Because of this, I've decided to stop buying any games until I complete my entire Switch catalog, Mm. minus the Nintendo and Super Nintendo games included in Switch Online. 
What do you guys think of this idea? My hope is that by the time I finish all of them, Breath of the Wild 2 will be out and balance will have been restored. Thank you guys for bringing me a moment of consistency and levity into my week every week. Man. I couldn't live that way, gaming-wise. <laughs> but I also couldn't live off-grid on a yurt with solar cells. So <laughs> I don't know that my life and this person's life need to inter- like comport. <laughs> um, but I, I find that since it's an interactive medium, I, I treat it more like a toy that has a story to it than say a movie, uh, a movie or a book. I absolutely want to work my way through my backlog. If I intended to read the book and I'm halfway through and I like it, I better finish it someday. But I find I have no compunction about dropping a video game. It's almost mm-hmm. like I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't, feel bad about myself for stopping playing with a deck of cards or, you know, mm-hmm. disengaging um, from sort from a game. It's a game. It's a toy. And I think the simpler way to say that is I'm greedy for new experiences. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not going to keep mm-hmm. myself from experiencing the hot game that all my friends are playing and talking about. There's no way I got to get in on it. Yeah. That drive alone about discussion and community around games is like, solely why i drop a game you know like i might be annoyed with a game or something but then i then i kind of want to play it so i can talk about it still if everybody's playing it right like that yeah that's something like if i don't if i, I got pretty bored with doom right away but i played it for a lot more so i could come game scoop and keep talking about it um negatively or positively right sure. and, and i think that like switching to the next big thing is like it's so part of my nature that i can relate to this person's play style and what's also part of my nature is never going back like I don't care. Like if, if something seemed pretty fun and it probably is going to get a lot better. I just don't look back. I never do. I feel like it's too stupid uh, to go back and like, try to learn everything that I like to the bookmark of that game is so hard for me to wrap my head around and try again on. I'm just terrible at it. You just returning to a game after a while yeah, and not remembering like, the controls. Why, did I put, why was all this armor like this? Man, like go back and look at your Skyrim save file if you <laughs> have played it since it came out and like look at the things that are in your inventory and it's insane. Like I can see the projects I was like right in the middle of and they make zero sense to me. Mm. Yeah, that's, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Um mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's really awesome and special that he uh, he spends some of his battery life on GameScoop every week. First of all, yeah, like he's got a finite yeah. amount of electricity in his life, and he spends some of it with us, which is awesome. Um, no, I've said this on Scoop before that uh, that I think there are too many amazing games and experiences out there to spend one second more on something you're not enjoying anymore. Yeah, put it down, like put it down, huck it across. You know, if you're not reading a book or you don't like a book anymore. Throw it across the room. Oh, like, you'd apply it to all media. Well, well, just if you're not liking it, like, yeah, do you know people that don't like yeah. to read or they don't like games? It's like, well, no, just find one you do like. Um, with the asterisk being like, you know, money and budget isn't unlimited, and there can definitely be fun to be found if you have 60 game on your Switch, Switch, Switch 60 games. There's probably some diamonds in there that, like, yeah, like if you give them a deeper shot, you're probably going to find some enjoyment in there that that you missed the first time around. But yeah. generally speaking, um, in my 20s, I would say I felt very guilty about a backlog and I had a master list of like every video game I wanted to beat. And now I'm like, man, like the game has to earn my time and attention every every time I play it. Yep. Sometimes yep. I think the people around me help with that though and if somebody tells me and i I like them and i like their opinion and they say the first two hours of this game suck 
I will absolutely go through those first two hours to get to the good stuff. But I need to know that. And that's what I really like about game criticism and reviews. I love being told like that, like, hey, you might end up really liking this game, but like, here's something you need to know about it first. I mean, Animal Crossing was that way. Like a lot of people had to tell each other like, hey, yeah, getting the iron bits is going to suck. But once you figure that out, you're never going to think about it again. And don't worry about it. That's not the game. Red Dead 2 comes to mind because I I had and I uh, 40 the, hours and right. you didn't like Red Dead 2. No, no, no. I for maybe 90 minutes I didn't like Red Dead 2, but I really didn't like it and I think it's an experience a lot of people had. It was the slow pace of opening drawers and picking things up. Well, uh, it, was, pace, it was ugly too. Yeah, it was No area is not very pretty. That's true. And uh I had to have several people say, "No, no, no, it's it's intentional." They're trying to differentiate it from GTA and capture the bucolic pace of Western lifestyle. And I think that seems true. Playing the fullness of the game, A, one of the best games I've ever played, and B, that pacing did seem very intentional. Uh, So I just think there's an area you can carve out for uh, 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 work that's challenging or demands uh, deeper thought. You know, I wouldn't wouldn't huck the book across the room the first instant I'm bored with it. But if you have a chapter or two under your belt, yeah, get out of there. Bail. Do you know the 50 yeah. page rule? No, what's that rule? I don't I don't use this. But uh, if you uh, don't enjoy a book by the first 50 pages, uh, you burn it. No, you don't burn it. You give it back <laughs> to the library or you, uh, you know, pass it on to a friend or something. But that like, you know, that 50 pages is, a, is you know enough of a time to realize like, am I enjoying this or not? Now, I've absolutely hit a wall in a book where I'm like, this is definitely not my thing and I will move on from here. I don't think it's 50 pages. And I don't check myself on that. But like, what is that for games? Well, I think it's again, like it's more influenced by people around you than you know your own personal experience, except for uh, this woodland elf who is completely alone and probably will have to set up some sort of system by which uh, uh, he or she can uh, determine whether to go back to a game or not. There are there are infinite books out there. There are infinite <laughs> games out there. Don't force yourself to slog through something just because. Yeah, that, that does sound like a bad idea. Yeah, for sure. Here's something you can do with your old games is make a project out of it. If you were going to say like, oh, I'm going to, you know, make a podcast about uh, uh, each game or something like that. If you're making a creative work from something that you don't enjoy, that's actually a really cool process. And I really encourage people to to do that. Um, You know, take art and make art. I think that's a really good way to, to, to make the best out of the things you have that you might not play through for enjoyment. No, no, no more podcasts. Just listen to Game Scoop. You're okay, good. I just heard Michael say an exact thing that he said on his podcast <laughs> that I listened to about The Last of Us. So I know that having more than one podcast out there is possible. Well, you're not expressing entirely unique thoughts and opinions <laughs> on our show, Michael Swain. <laughs> There's some over the Venn diagram has some overlap. I'll grant you. Yeah. Well, yeah, I do want to listen to that guy's yurt cast. Yeah. I'm a little bit uh, jealous of these uh, games people listeners that are living in and gaming in nature. Uh, Mr. or Mrs. Elf living in the yurt. And then there was another uh, games people fan um, who pasted a photo in the Facebook group. I think it was over Memorial Day weekend. They'd driven their camper out to the woods and it appeared yeah. to be all by himself. And his camper had a TV built into the side and he was playing The Last of Us Part Two just in the middle of the woods. It must not have been Memorial Day then since that game wasn't out yet, but it was sometime recently. That sounds I just love so that's scary. Epic. That's so the scariest possible way to play a scary game is to be absolutely alone. But I also like the idea of just playing games alone yeah. in the middle of the woods and nowhere. That sounds really nice. That Before, setup is awesome. Yeah, I yeah, want that. Yeah, that's a really cool setup. You know, Damon, Before, you can just go into Golden Gate Park, just find a little 
forested no. nook and just there's nowhere you can be alone in golden gate park these days <laughs> yeah no. it's full to the brim yes um before i had kids i used to fantasize about like here what i wanted was like a cabin in the woods and then yeah. like somehow i have high speed internet through like a satellite <laughs> connection or something like yeah now with family like i want them to experience the culture and everything that you get in, you know by living around people but um that was something that maybe someday i'll be able to achieve that for myself yeah I like that idea too. And that brings us to video game 20 questions. Our suggestion this week comes from Brett Perry in Salt Lake City, Utah. And he says, longtime listener, first time writing in. I'm a U.S. speed skater training for the 2022 wow. Olympics. Cool. Let's, hope it still so cool. Let's hope it still happens. As much as I like to listen to music to hype me up before my races, I always first check to see if the latest episode of Games Group has dropped. Thank you for making quality content every week wow. and helping me take my mind off racing. You, this amazing. is the first, yeah, the first uh, Olympic uh, athlete that we've ever gotten a letter into for, for GameScoop. So that's that we cool. know of. That we know of. That we know of. It can all be. Yeah. Statistically, that's very yeah. unlikely. Do you have an official name for fans of the show? Scoopies? Scooplets? <laughs> We usually call them just the listeners, usually. The but listeners. Then we, we also need to uh, acknowledge the viewers as well. Yeah. That's they're true. also they're honorary Omega Cops. Yeah, they are all there honorary Omega Cops. Okay, let the questioning begin. Mm. Michael, did, this, did you win last time? Uh, yeah, last time I was on, I think it was Sly Cooper, and we, we got it. We got yeah, it. On, on like question 20. Uh, yeah, that's right. Okay. Is it Sly Cooper? No. <laughs> um, I'm going to start the same way I started last time. Was this game released post 2000? Yes. Uh, is this game available on the Nintendo Switch? No. Um. Uh, does this game what's what's our what's the multiplayer qualifier? Uh, does this know. game have a uh, competitive? Was how it was. Does this game have competitive multiplayer? Yes. Ooh, yay! I feel like people who have been on more have time-honored strategies and directions. I no, just play we around. Don't. It's okay. completely, <laughs> completely arbitrary every single time. There's no, there's no forethought or planning put into it at all. I can't emphasize that enough. Great. Good. 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 <laughs> um, is this game on current-gen consoles? No. Is this game a well, first-person shooter? No. That's I will, yeah. Okay. But it does have competitive <laughs> multiplayer. And it was not at least it wasn't released on current gen consoles. Is this a peaceful game? No. It's probably I mean it's probably backwards compatible, is why I assume Damon was He a stuttered bit. a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I assume released on yeah, yeah. previous gen. That's the uh, scoop. That's the scoop code. That's how we're going to take that. You first didn't. It's the meta not game. a first-person shooter. Is it worth asking if there are gu- is gunplay? I mean, it could though? be a third-person shooter, right? right. Uh, do you shoot guns at each other in this game? Yes. <laughs> okay. Is it? Um, yeah, but is it okay? So is it? Is it a two-dimensional game? No. So it is a third-person shooter. Is it a mili- military setting? Is it set in a military? Mm. Could be Gears of War. Could be. I can't. I can't well, accurate, accurately answer the military setting question. Whoa! Is it? Hmm. 
Do you play as soldiers who are in an army? I think we just kind. Is that the that could be different because you could be like, is Halo military or do you mean modern yeah. era military? Yeah. I think that was the struggle. Yeah. I don't know. Do you play as a human? Yes. Do you hide behind strategically positioned like waist high cover in the game? Are you ducking behind well little blocks here. of cover? I'll I'll give you there is a cover system. That's ten. Uh, it could be Uncharted. Could be well, though that's actively not military. And could was be. Uncharted multi? Was there yeah. competitive yeah. multiplayer? Okay, yeah. I just never dipped into it. Could was be there? Uh, is this a console exclusive? No. Multiplat, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> third-person cover shooter. Is it from a publisher that has E3 press conferences? Well, <laughs> not today. Cool. That's actually weird. Yeah, that is a little weird. Konami, Sega. Do we know Japanese? That'd be weird at this point. That'd actually help. We don't even know what, like, after 2000 covers such a time frame. That's true. I was thinking of asking after, well, but it's last gen. Yeah, that's true. That kind of narrows it down. It's at least last gen. I want to ask, is there, is there a clean way to ask whether it's fanciful or grounded in reality? Yeah, you know what I mean? That's like Sam's um, favorite question. <laughs> okay. Uh, is, does this game take place in, uh, modern, on modern day Earth? Yes. Okay. Uh, Ghost Recon. Yeah, and yet he seemed to struggle with a military question. It seems like that would be so cut and dried. Well, maybe there. I don't know what. I don't know who well, you are in those games. You're some shadowy someone. That's true. You're disavowed by the government, probably. And the E3 press conference question might exclude that. That's true. They do have press conferences. Is this a Japanese game? No. Who would have? I don't know. Activision. Have... Activision doesn't have conferences anymore. Oh yeah, of course. That's a really good good point. Was this an Activision game? No. <laughs> That's fifteen. We, we started off so good. <laughs> yeah. It's third person, also. We started off so good. Well, wait. Is there re- Gears of War is excluded, or well, he yeah. said Modern Day Earth. Yeah. Well, and it's exclusive. This is a multi-platform game. That's right. So okay, so it's uh, not military, and then that Gears of War is obviously mil- that's what's really weird. It sounds like a cartoony almost game or something like that. So it takes place on modern day Earth. It's multi-platform. It's not Japanese. You shoot guns at each other, and it's not first person, and it's not two-dimensional. And 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 then the company that made it used to have E3 press conferences. Uh. I didn't say that. I said they don't have them today. No, I said they don't have them today. What the hell? That doesn't necessarily... That could mean they never had one, right? Oh. Is this an indie game? No. Well, what's the series? The name is slipping my mind, but where it's fully based on grapple hooking and uh, hang gliding around. No? Anyone? Hang gliding. Bueller? Archive? Just Cause? Uh, 
Just cause. I was like, it's like Far Cry, but you have a grapple hook and it's silly. Just cause. Yeah. Maybe those do those games have multiplayer in them? I just know it's third person shooty modern day. Yeah, yeah. Those games too. That's true. I don't I don't know if those games have they must have a multiplayer mode. It could be I mean it could be something it could be like, you know, Saints Row. Or like something oh weird. or project mayhem or something weird like that yeah, all, although that was current gen who published both those games that's what i need to know uh nobody and, knows saints rose thq is it yeah and uh and just cause would be probably like square enix or something like that uh hide us it's yeah, amazing I, to me that the publisher helps you that doesn't help me as much i know but it's like it's like a it's it's a from from doing the industry for a long time, they for sure. To- um, is this game? It, does this game have a open world single player campaign? No. Oh, Great, cool. So it's not any of those. Nothing we've <laughs> mentioned so far. Single player campaign. I think that's a really cool idea. Like, what if this is just multiplayer? I also don't think those games have. I screwed it up. The question that we talked about, I think Tina brought up last week, was this: is this a multiplayer-focused game? That's, mm. yep, that's a good one. Ah, that. And also, Just Cause, Just Cause does not have a cover system, you know, Saints Row. Oh, that's true. I don't recall it having a cover system, or at least not, like, you, not where you snap to cover, you know what I mean? Yeah, I assume yeah. that's what he meant when he said there's a cover system. Those games are also open world, so it's not any of those. There's a little context I can think of where you're like taking cover and shooting that's not military, but it might be like some post-apocalyptic game or... Oh, no, it can't be because it's modern day Earth. Why would people be killing each other? What if it's like Payday? I'm just trying to think of why people are killing each other. On modern day Earth. Payday could be really good. Yeah, Crime, right? Crime, crime, like Mm -hmm. just crime game too. I don't know what perspective Payday is. The getaway? I think that was paid. an obscure game. That's a real, that's a open world game. That's a game. deep cut. Oh, it is. You're right. Um, I don't know who published payday either. And then there's like other like crime mob games, like, uh, um, mafia type stuff. Yeah. Those are all open world and Japanese. Should we ask if it's multiplayer focused or do you think it's too late? That question boat has sailed. I think Where would that leave it. payday? That would payday is, I think, exclusively multiplayer. Yeah, go for it, Michael. Uh, is this game multiplayer focused? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> can you refine your question? Um, oof, is most this, people play this game for for the multiplayer. Did most people spend the most hours with this game engaging in the multiplayer component? He doesn't I, know. I can't answer that question. <laughs> Don't know for sure. Okay. Could it be? Is there anything stopping it from being Max Payne? One, two, or three. Um, no. Just remember that there are different types of multiplayer. Well, we did say competitive. Hmm. Mm-hmm. What are you? What are you getting at? What does uh, that mean? Maybe, maybe you're not shooting at each other, but you're. I'm thinking of like police trainer. You're competing for a high score, right? Or um. You're bowling. We we explicitly said you're shooting each other. <laughs> you're bowling and you get mad, so you shoot at each other. Yeah. What? How does this comport with the "Are you shooting each other with guns?" question? That's confusing. Uh, that's just, true. We said, just, "Are you shooting at each other with guns?" 
And he yeah. said yes. Yeah. And you, I think, I believe your question was that if, was there a what a competitive multiplayer mode? Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't like this one bit. I don't like. <laughs> so yeah. maybe, maybe. Oh, could it be a Resident Evil? No, because it's not Japanese. No, modern day Earth and Japanese. Yep. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't. Do we? I. Well, where did we screw up, Damon? <laughs> yeah, answer that. Yes or no? Where did we screw up? <laughs> um, is, well, you do. You you do screw up by not um, asking if it's multiplayer focused. But then that that's also tough because there's different types of multiplayer, and a game can have different types of multiplayer. I'm gonna assume all, all we have the same an, game. That that yeah, thing that no. he keeps saying doesn't make sense to me, but no. I know it's supposed to. I know like, it's like, like multiplayer, it, like competitive multiplayer has like there's like puzzles. Yeah. Well, it's probably it's probably like it's probably like some shooter game, but then the multiplayer was like only racing, yeah, racing. <laughs> like <laughs> something weird like that. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, here's I, another here's another big hint. You've said the name of the publisher. That is a big hint. I, What's that I, do for your memory palace, Sam? Come on. Yeah, I mean, I, we mentioned uh, IDOS, Activision, IDOS, and Activision, and yeah, Square Enix, THQ, THQ. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Tomb Raider. None of the IDOS. Does Deus Ex have it? Nah, it's not modern day. Curses. <laughs> Should we do a hail mary for one like THQ or something? I, yeah, yeah. I think we got to go for it. I don't know if David likes that one. Um, yeah, is this a THQ game? No. Okay. What? So, how many questions are we at? You have one question and a guess. All right. Well, should we do? Is it a uh, Square Enix game? Yep. Is yeah. this a Square Enix game? Even though, okay. Even though you know it's not made in Japan. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. I don't know who who published it. We asked. We asked the Activision question, right? I think no. we did ask, is this Activision, didn't we? No. Yeah. We, yeah. Oh, yes. I, yeah, we did. My bad. We did. Okay. Who else did we mention? 2K? IDOS and THQ. Is this an IDOS game? <laughs> yes. All right. You have a guess. Oh! <laughs> well, that doesn't help me at all other than Deus Ex. That's the only one I know is IDOS. And it might what do not they make? be. What did they Sam, make? what do they make? <laughs> they made Just Cause and Tomb Raider, I think. And uh, before those had different publishers. Um, yeah, well, it was Core Design developing it and IDOS publishing Tomb Raider back in the day, right? Before they yeah. got bought by Square. Is that the correct history? Maybe? Something like that, yeah. An installment of Tomb Raider wouldn't be a bad guess. Well, I yeah. don't know that any of those had multiplayer, did they? Certainly not I don't know either. Competitive okay. multiplayer, or did they? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. And then... Well, um, the one did, the second one did. The second one had that really weird multiplayer mode where you got the cards... Weird multiplayer is kind of what he seemed to be dancing around. Mm-hmm. What, That's which, yeah, true. What's what was the what was the second of the modern Tomb Raider trilogy called? Oh, just Rise of the Tomb Raider. Rise of, the, or is that the third one? Shadow was the third one. Shadow Rise. is third. Yeah. So, I for the record, I think that this is a bad guess. But as yeah. far as as far as guesses go, like it's not that bad. Well, and also it, that was published by Square Enix, so it's just not it. Well, but it wasn't developed by them, and I think we asked where the game was made. No, we are talking about the publisher. Okay, well, I don't know. That's what I would guess. And that means it's last gen. It's just going to be really hard for us to get to. All right, yeah, I don't, I don't have a guess. I think we can just give up. 
All right, everyone gives up? Yeah. Well, we guess Rise <laughs> of the Tomb Raider on the 1-1,000th chance that it's right, but yeah. <laughs> You're guessing Rise of the Tomb Raider? That's right. Even though you know it's not this gen? Hey, we don't like it when you do okay. this to us. We tried to give up. <laughs> okay, we give up. We give up. He's right. We uh, give up. This, this game is a third-person shooter with a cooperative campaign uh, on 360, PS3, and PC. It was developed by IO Interactive when they were taking a break from Hitman. And it was, published, and it was published by IDOS. It is Kane and Lynch, Dead Man. Oh, my gosh. I did play that game. I played Kane and Lynch, too, like a sucker. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, wow. Kane and Lynch Deadman. Yeah, so the the there's also competitive multiplayer mode, but then the campaign is cooperative. Which I think mm. was Payday like. I think Payday is, is well, you, it's I think Payday is cooperative for people try to rob a bank, right? Well, but I think I think it's mm-hmm. cops versus robbers. Hmm. I think okay. so. Uh, yeah, I ba- barely remember. Huh. But yeah, that was that game's big selling point: co-op yeah. campaign. Yeah. <laughs> As for the military question, I think you're like a former soldier, but yeah, then you might, but you that, might that, be. We got yeah. to crime game. And you're just embroiled yeah. in issues. Yeah, yeah. it's not really military. We still wouldn't have gotten it, but we would have. Because like, I think like when we started thinking, like, how could you be shooting people? We got to cops and robbers. Mm-hmm. That was pretty good. No, well, the, syn- the synapse that remembers the name Kane and Lynch has not fired in my brain for <laughs> some time. Mm-hmm. There's that era of like Kane and Lynch and like Army of Two. Army and of like, Two. There was like yep. a hot second where that was a thing. Uh, does it have a, a statue in the IGN office? Is one that we should be asking. Mm. Yeah, Wait, no, have, Kane, I haven't have seen a statue Kane of Lynch. Kane and Lynch in the office. Well, there was. Yeah. I, I don't. I haven't seen that one in a while. I'm sure it's disassembled with uh, with a dismemberment all the way up to ten uh, in one of our storage units right now. Yeah, or it's in the burger. <laughs> I've seen that. Time. Like our. Um, our facilities manager will take those statues and they actually come apart in these like terrifying ways. And then I'll just walk by a box and they'll just be like limbs everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The first couple of weeks I was working there, uh, he had his, you know, the closet where all his materials are open. And for weeks I just saw him assemble a goose from untitled goose game. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> but then we went on quarantine. We never even placed it in the space, yeah, but he built a goose. Yeah. Um, I, I was thinking that, uh, if you turned up the dismemberment settings on a game with spiders in it, you would just get so many limbs that it'd be hard for a, a, a system to handle. Yeah. Yeah. Hashtag too many legs. Yeah. Especially if it was like one of those clowns that has a spider for like its neck hole. And then like, if you, if, <laughs> neck if you hole. Cap, if, if hashtag you neck hole, there would just be hairy spider legs everywhere. Is this the opposite of ASMR? Yeah. Shouting about hairy spider legs. Just, um, yeah, a bag of spider legs shaking down on top of you <laughs> is anti-ASMR. As you slowly turn your mouth upward. <laughs> I, 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 did IDOS used to have E3 press conferences? I don't know. I don't know. They used to be a publisher, and then they were purchased by Square Enix, and now they're a studio. Oh. Still making, like, Deus Ex. At least and they I impressed them. Michael by mentioning publishers and making it seem like it'd be helpful. That was my goal. That is like that's, you guys. That it's like favorite. a magic trick to me, yeah, to know by publisher. That's just of I would absorb every word of every game pro except yeah. what company was responsible for yeah, what. No, I didn't You're definitely it. right. Like there's definitely a weird like video game culture is weird in that game. Like Activision makes Tony Hawk. Like no who who's like what label is like Rihanna signed to? Like I'm a fan of BMI yeah. music. Like nobody yeah, knows know. that stuff. Yeah. Or movie studios. Yeah, just spend ten years doing it, and it just gets vacuumed in there. Universal movies are the best ones. 
Uh, all right, that is all the scoops that we have for you this week. Remember, you can always reach us at the email address, gamescoop at IGN.com. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Borba, working behind the scenes. What was that, Sam? I said bye, listeners. But I also oh, wanted yeah. to say uh, good luck to our competitive uh, skater and our competitive uh, yurt liver. <laughs> I don't know if he's competing in his yurt living. He's better than you. <laughs> I think he's... <laughs> He's the number one yurt liver on in Game Scoop history, I think, at this point. I think I think he's actively not competing. <laughs> he's yeah. competing the least amount possible. <laughs> no, he's liver. competing for time on that, that solar array. Liver is already a word with a very different meaning. We're not livers. We're all, we're not all livers who are living. Yurt dweller. Fine. <laughs> My name is Damon. This is IGN Game Scoop. And we're out.